0: Welcome to the DraftNut podcast. It's Jared Feinberg and Devin Jackson here to discuss the 2022 NFL draft. We are here to kind of just go over what happened over the past weekend. Um, some of our favorite picks, some of our favorite draft classes from individual teams um, and why some of these QBs fell as far as they did. Um, I, I will say this, Past draft class was probably one of the most, I wouldn't say entertaining, but it was more just unique in its own way. Would you say, Devin? Like it it felt unique and kind of just all over the place in terms of there, there wasn't a lot of groupthink when it came to certain prospects that we thought, oh, there would be groupthink. these guys but no there was just a wide open of various opinions and takes on draft prospects so just kind of want to give your get your take on that um do you think it was more you know stressful i would say not stressful trying to think of the word for it it felt draining is that the word correct word to use it, it just felt exhausting
1: yeah I feel like there were probably more talk around <clears throat> some of the the top guys because there there really wasn't a consensus top player amongst everybody you know how usually everyone has the same number one pick I don't think or not the same number one pick but the same number one player there was a portion of people that had you know, Kyle Hamilton is their number one player. Some people had, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau is their number one player. Some had Evan Neal. So there there was a, uh, you, know, a you know, kind of a wide variety of uh, outcomes in, in this class in terms of big board. And then, you know, to top it all off, like Trevon Walker wasn't a top player on most people's boards. He wasn't a top five or top ten on a lot of people's boards, to be honest. And, and I think that goes to show you, like, this year has been... A little bit more unpredictable uh at the top than, than we expected. Like, you know, as we'll get into in, in a few minutes, like Derek Stingley ended up going number three overall after people were talking about him in the teens uh for most of the draft cycle. Um obviously Trayvon Walker is another example. Um the quarterbacks, uh there was only one quarterback taking taken in the what top 73, 74, which is yeah, suffering. Like uh, which is unheard of in in any class. It doesn't matter if they if it's a weak class or not. It's, it's unheard of. I don't so, think this
0: happened in 2013 when that class happened.
1: No, they. I, I think they, they, they had go. a couple first round picks in in that class. So yeah. this class, uh, above all, has, has been extremely different. We had like 13 receivers go in the top 60. I was looking that up today. Uh, so there there was like the most extreme outcomes anything you could have thought would have happened in this draft class the complete opposite happened outside of the top ten it was it was madness
0: yeah and one of the things that really shocked me in the first round was the how early the run on wide receivers started it started at eight with Atlanta who took Drake London. And to be honest, Drake London going being the first receiver off the board kind of shocked me a little bit. I wasn't expecting it, Um, but I, I understood it because, like, of course, Atlanta needed a receiver, but they also needed someone that wasn't a Calvin Ridley type player. They needed someone more as a true X receiver, and I felt like that was and I felt like Drake London can do that, and also he can play as a big slot, but. We saw Drake London, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Traylon Burks. We saw all those guys, and Jahan Dotson. We saw all those guys go in the top 20. I I thought there would be at least maybe two or three receivers going in the top 20 um, on Thursday night. And we had most of the top receivers go in the top eight, including your guy, Jahan Dotson, to Washington. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was yeah. uh you knew that there was gonna be a, a first round reach on a receiver just based on on the class and then how early the the run started. And look, I think Jahan Dotson is a fine player. I think he I mean for that for that particular team, the commanders, I think it makes sense because they have McLaurin. Uh you need another another guy to uh, play beside him. So to me, I don't think the value was there necessarily because if you're gonna take a wide receiver too, you don't take him in that top sixteen. But for their circumstance, I think it makes sense because he can be the 2-3 because they do have Curtis Samuel coming back and hopefully he's healthy this year. Um, so that was the one that that kind of surprised me in terms of not him going in the first round because I, I, it's kind of been a foregone conclusion he would, but most people thought it would be in the late 20s, not be uh, in the top 16. So, you know, for me, I, I, I don't dislike the pick. I just think the value wasn't – necessarily there but but you know if you want a receiver it they made it clear you had to go up and get him uh and, and that's what a lot of teams did with the receivers the saints went up and got chris Olave. the lions went to go get jameson williams titans came up to get Traylon burks um commanders to trade back to 16 that's why they ended up taking uh dots but even the packers early in round two they tried to, to get christian watson um in in uh the slew of other other moves that that was wild so i mean there
0: receiver, was tr- it was trades galore thursday yeah. friday and saturday good good gracious
1: man like yeah the, the trades slowed down a little bit in the back half of the first round but the second and third round they were just more yeah. and more trades coming even day three uh I, I think at the beginning more so there were some trades but, but there wasn't as many trades as, as mm-hmm. there were on day one and day two
0: yeah and honestly this was one of the more crazier drafts i've watched um probably since i started doing this in 2018 um so much unpredictability so much unknown and we just really didn't know what to expect next unlike in previous years um i kind of want to go to the top of the draft class and first five picks of the draft were defensive players. You had Trayvon Walker going number one overall to Jacksonville. Then you had Aiden Hutchinson going to the Detroit. Um Derek Stingley, of course he ended up being a top five pick as we all thought all along, even though some people thought, oh, he's gonna be he's gonna fall out of the top ten. Like, no, he was never going to fall out of the top ten. Um especially after the pro day he had kind of just proving hey he he he's fine. Um Derek Stingley going to the Texans. You had um you had Sauce Gardner going to New York, um, the New York Jets, and then Kayvon Thibodeau being a top five pick, as we all knew all along, um, going to the Giants at fifth overall. Then the run on offensive players started at six with Carolina taking Aikimi um, which is honestly one of my favorite picks in the entire first round. Um, and I felt like when I was watching the board kind of fall for Carolina, it was like, okay, Houston's got – Houston ended up taking a corner. Okay, so now Carolina will at least have either Iguanu, Neal, or Cross. Then he, then the then the Jets took – then the Jets took sauce, and I was like, oh, Carolina has a chance of getting one of the better two tackles. And then Thibodeau goes at five. I'm like, Carolina has. They can choose anyone. I wouldn't have a problem with it. They could choose Cross in front of in front of Evan Neal. Wouldn't have a problem with it. And picking Iguanu, knowing his background, knowing the type of player he is, and how he would fit um, in Ben McAdoo's offense. They're um, run. They're going to be a very physical. Um, run first offense. It feels like, and they signed Deontay Foreman to help kind of complement Christian McCaffrey in that aspect. Um, so they get a tone setter in Akeem McGwanu, um, Charlotte Rays, Charlotte native. Um, I mean, an in-state homegrown player at six overall. That that's a, and also they get they finally get their franchise left tackle, which I'm so happy about. But it, it, it felt like for a lot of teams, the board kind of fell the way they wanted to, especially Carolina. Um, I was just so impressed with how the Jets, how well they drafted. Joe Douglas just killing it the last couple of years, especially this year. Sauce Gardner at four, Garrett Wilson at 10, then trading back into the first round to get Jermaine Johnson, who I was shocked fell as far as he did. Um so I think honestly, I think the Jets may have had the best draft and the Ravens maybe a close two like, do you agree with that? Like, I feel like those were two of the better draft classes from this weekend.
1: yeah, I think those are the 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 top two consensus draft class, whether how you stack them, I think. You know, just depends on how you feel. But, but I think they, and they only picked through the fourth rounds. But I think they got uh, players at, at every spot that they needed to, to kind of fill holes at. And, and they got future starters. Uh, you know, for me, I think the best value pick that they had on their board was even Jermaine Johnson. For me, I think it was Max Mitchell, uh, the tackle at Louisiana. Because he, he has some hype that he may go third round, late like third round. Uh, but, but they... We were able to get a relatively cheap answer to the question that people were like had surrounding them. Like, were they going to go tackle? Were they going to go Ikemi or Evan Neal? And in the end, they had their chance and, and their opportunities to take either, but they decided not to. So to me, that tells me that. They're confident in in their tackles and George Fon and, and Makai Beckton to be okay, but mm-hmm. if one of them can't go, you got Max Mitchell who can be that swing tackle on either side. So for me, I think that was their best value pick in terms of not only are you getting someone that does not have to start right away. If things don't pan out with Makai Becton, you can groom him into being you know your left or right tackle without having to go out and, and get a free agent with tackle or spend high capital on it. So I think for them, hopefully it pans out, you know, then they're able to develop him and, and continue to, to add to what they have, but but you you have to love what they did. I think overall they, they had a really good class. A lot of people were talking about getting a running back in the second round is a great value, but when you look at where they got Michael Carter last year, they got him in the fourth round. Uh, they weren't expecting him to be a franchise running back. So, you know, you're taking the, the running back by committee approach, by selecting Brees Hall, and, and you have a one two punch now. You know, it's not yeah, just, which all, is nice. Yeah. It's not just all on one person's shoulders. And, and that's how they, that's how, uh, you know, kind of the, the school of, you know, Shanahan runs is you have mm-hmm. multiple running backs. You don't just do a one, a one go stop, you know, running back as well.
0: I, I don't want to bring up, I really don't want to bring up the conversation we had in the ch- group chat earlier today. Um, with um our um analytical uh anal- or our an- our analytics guy Zach Rogers doesn't like running backs things they don't really matter. Um we had a whole argument about Brees Hall and the value, all of that. We're not really going to get into that, but we we I I honestly really like the Brees Hall pick like you were talking about because like, you get that downhill early down running back in Brees Hall. And then you get the passing down back with Michael Carter, who's good in pass pro and has also got some really nice receiving skills. Um, some compared him to Clyde edwards um in last year's draft class. Um, and I feel like that you can kind of see this team starting to get their pieces get their young established pieces they have their potential future of the franchise and zach wilson they have their running they have their running backs with Brees hall and michael carter um hopefully makai beckton um rebounds this year and has a really good year coming off of an achilles injury um we, they have established guard in elijah vera tucker um a little iffy on the tight end situation but they have the receivers they have Elijah Moore they have Garrett Wilson they have Corey Davis on defense they they have their edge rusher Jermaine Johnson they have Quinn and Williams um they now have Sauce Gardner um and they have Ashton Davis back there as well like there, there are plenty there are, there's a lot of young players on this team but you can kind of see the Jets are starting, to, starting to like. Okay, this is starting to look really, really nice for New York. New York is act might actually develop a good football team for once in their entire history, um, which I, I'm sure this past draft really has excited draft or um, has really excited Jets fans. And I, I'm, I really do hope for the Jets' sake and Jets fans' sake, including some of our uh, guys at Blue Chip Scouting, who love the Jets, um, such as Clay and um, our graphics guy, um, Lobo. And, you know, I I, for so many years, I'm like, when are the Jets really going to get this right? And it seems like Joe Douglas was the right guy to bring in. And he has done an excellent job of really building this roster from the draft, like specifically the draft, like. Most of their cornerstones have come from the draft, which is so nice. And it really gives you hope and optimism as a Jets fan. So I'm really looking forward to that. I want to talk about the Baltimore Ravens. I know Nick Price, um, our AAC scout from this past season, Um, he's going to be very much looking forward to this discussion. The Baltimore Ravens, I mean, we got to talk about them, man. They had a great draft class kyle hamilton and then tyler linderbaum um and before before we really dive into the ravens uh draft class i i want to give a shout out i want to or maybe give my apologies to uh austin and tyler browning um for the dallas cowboys taking tyler smith at 24 and then ty Tyler Linderbaum going 25th. Then you have you seen the video of Jeff Dalton and yeah, I think it was yeah. Matt. Yeah, I've seen him. Oh man, I feel bad for Jeff, man. I really do like and then like the reaction they had when they saw Linderbaum come off the board. I cackled so much. I feel really sorry for them. I hate to really trying to give them a hard time here, but. Man, the Cowboys, what are we doing? I mean, I kind of get it. But at the same time, you had Linderbaum there. Take good football players. Not ones that are a little raw on the rod side. Like, take a really good player, Tyler Linderbaum. But anyways, Kyle Hamilton, Tyler Linderbaum, you get your replacement for Bradley Bozeman, and you finally get that um, center field piece in Kyle Hamilton. Um, who's probably the best safety they've drafted? Am I wrong to say best safety since Ed, Ed Reed that they've drafted? Is that wrong to say? I, I, I mean, I, I don't, like I, I can't better. tell you
1: the, the the list of uh safeties that the, the Ravens have drafted, but I'll tell you, I mean, we can say the most talented safety since yes, most talented. More, yes, that'd be better. fair to say,
0: yeah. I, let me pull up the Ravens draft class because I don't have it off the top of my. Oh, I, I got it right here. I can. Oh, you got it right there. It oh, off.
1: Yeah. Amazing. You are so. Uh, first pick 14 for Kyle Hamilton, safety for Notre Dame, obviously. Uh, first round pick 25, Tyler Linderbaum, Linderbaum from <laughs> Iowa. Pick uh, – or second-round pick, pick 45. David Ajabo from Michigan. Uh, Travis Jones in the third round at pick 76. Daniel Falele at uh, pick 110 in the fourth round. Jalen Armour-Davis, DB, from Alabama in, at pick 119th, also in the fourth round. Uh, they had one, two, three, four. They yeah, had like fourth-round picks, Fourth-round picks. So I'm going to just read them off now. Uh, Charlie Colgar <laughs> at 128. Jordan Stout at 130. Uh, Isaiah Likely at 139. Uh, Mary Williams from Houston at 141. And then Tyler Beatty at uh, pick 196 in the sixth round. Man, Beatty is a nice pick on that back end. I know, yeah, I know, I think, uh, I think for, oh, I was just going to say, I, I think for, the, for the Ravens, I think for them, um, they, I mean, I, I don't think there was really a reach on that, on that particular one. maybe. Maybe Jordan Stout could be, you know. I don't know the value of a punter, so I'm not going to talk too much on it, but he was certainly the most accurate punter. I know people talk about punk guy, but Jordan Stout was the most accurate punter and the one that uh, downed the most uh, punts inside the 20 yard line. So I, I know people are like, why wasn't punk guy, you know, Matt Arazia from San Diego State first punt time off the board? Hang time. Yeah. That's
0: reset. Yeah. Um, I know we don't want to talk about punters, but kind of just want to mention it real fast. Um, you know, I I totally understand why Punk God didn't go off the board as soon as people thought he would. Um, and it was because of the hang time. Like some of Arizier's punts would just be line drives that go eighty yards, but there was barely any hang time. If you can punt the ball 80 yards with hang time, you're you you might go top 100, literally, because that's rare for a punter to hit have a hang time on punts and it for and for it to go at least 60, 70, 80 yards like that. That's absurd. But the Ravens really did have a nice draft class. They Loaded up out on tight end. I mean, they they have a history of um, loading up the tight end position. Even though they have Mark Andrews, I think that depth is um, important. Um, I know they're getting heat for trading Mark um, Marquise Brown, um, and I totally get it. However, um, I I really like what they have with Rashad Bateman. But it also kind of tells me they're going. They're still going to be a very run-heavy team. Um, and Greg Roman, like, he's fine. It's just they need to start opening up in the passing game. I mean, can't run the ball like this forever. You really need to let Lamar Jackson kind of just open it up a little bit. Show what he can do as a passer. He has shown that. But he hasn't been given an opportunity to, either it's because of injuries or Greg Roman just just wants to run the football as much as he wants um but you know Baltimore New York really good draft classes Baltimore they draft so well almost every year like this is why they're still always it, it seems like they're in the they're in playoff contention every year except for there was like a maybe like two or three year period at like over the last couple of decades where they kind of hit a lull, but once they were out of that lull, they were just consistent playoff contenders. Like this has been a very successful franchise since, um since they became a team in 1996, 90, 97, one, one, one of those years, but very impressed with, um the ravens the jets there's a lot of other draft classes we can talk about but we don't want it's going to take all night for us um to really get through most of this draft class but again i know mike probably already has the um the meme already going with a hand ready to smash down a panthers button um but i want to mention the panthers draft class yeah kimiguanu your top Offensive player on your board And your top offensive tackle Then you Go with the Then you draft a quarterback You trade back into the third round Get Matt Corral um, Who I think will fit With what Ben McAdoo Kind of wants to do In that offense A little bit Um, And I'll I'll explain it on Twitter Or whatever Um, I'll explain it in the group chat If I need to But Carolina also got went and got some developmental traits guys like they got Brandon Smith they got um Amaro um Barney Barney Um uh, Barno um I think it's Amari Barno um pass rusher from Virginia Tech um had the fastest 40 of any pass rusher since 2003 at the NFL scouting combine um they also took um guys like Cade Mays and um Barnes from Baylor um I know there's differing opinions on Cade Mays um I know you've you have different you have your own opinion about Cade Mays um I didn't really get the chance to watch Cade Mays but from what I saw at the senior bowl I I I was impressed there's you can work with him you can develop him a little bit I think he adds Plenty, he adds depth, which Carolina desperately needs on the offensive line. Um, and I think after the year they had with their O-line last year, I think really just focusing on that offensive line was a top priority. And Scott Fitter did his job. He honestly had one of the better off seasons I, I can remember for the Carolina Panthers in several years, um, maybe even before the Cam Newton era. Um, th- th- this is this was a really good, promising offseason for Scott Fitter, and I just want to give a shout out on that draft class. But let's talk about the quarterbacks real quick because we saw we kind of you kind of mentioned it earlier at the top of the show. The drop from when Kenny Pickett went 20th overall to Pittsburgh to when Desmond Ritter went off the board with the Falcons in the third round is insane. Like the NFL actually realized, the NFL actually agreed with the draft community. It's not a good draft class. So we're just going to let these guys fall, wait until the third round to take them and get good value out of these guys. So let's talk about this draft class one more time. One more time, Devin, I promise. Um, Let's talk about Kenny Pickett. Do you like the fit in Pittsburgh? I mean, he, he stays in Pittsburgh stays at the same facility,
1: same stadium, offense maybe? I mean, I don't think it's bad. I think it's an okay pick, but to me, I still feel like they really didn't address offensive line as much as you would have liked to warrant that pick, if that makes sense. To me, if they would have taken Pickett, then they went out and got Pickens, which I think is a great pick. But then continued to shore up the offensive line. I probably would like to pick a little bit more. But to me, if you pick Pickett here... It's tough. I don't know, man. It is yeah, tough. We'll, we'll see how it pans out over the next yeah. couple of years. But I, I just don't think it really moves the needle for their football team. I still think they're going to be a, a, a team that contends. But I don't see him being the... The changer, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. I would have rather them take a swing on Ritter or Willis and strike out more so than have pick it because we could be here, you know, in three, four years and they don't pick up his option. And then all of a sudden you, you made a yeah. lateral move instead of yeah. moving forward. So, yeah, I, I didn't hate that pick, but I, I do love where Ritter and Willis both landed because I did predict the Titans would take one of them. And, and it just happened to be Willis instead of Ritter, but they both went to a system that I think suits their talents, which is outside Absolutely. outside zone scheme, and allows them to to make plays on the move. So I love the fit for Atlanta because now he doesn't have to rush in as a rookie. He can also play at the back end of his the rookie season because the Falcons are probably not going to be contenders, but. He has his young core around him. You got Kyle Pitts still on his first contract. Drake London still on his first contract. Agent Terrell as well. So they have and some you Jared. Yeah, and, they, they have a they have a good young core right now. It was mm-hmm. a solid young core. So I, I, I like to pick where Atlanta. I knew I figured they were going to go either one because it just made sense. They need a quarterback for the future. Yeah, but Tennessee that I that that might be my favorite quarterbacks landing spot too. because you don't really realistically have to put them out until 2023, 2024, mm-hmm. which is exactly what you need in, in this scenario. And, and I could see, you know, similar to what they did with Lamar Jackson in uh, Baltimore, have packages in for him, allow him to get a taste of the NFL game speed um, and, and, you know, get him, on the field here and there, 49ers did with Trey Lance, too, at first. So I, I like both both landing spots for, for both of those guys. And, and honestly, I, I think it, it's going to benefit them in the long haul that they fell in the third round. I know a lot of people want to see them go earlier, but I think they went where their value was the best. Yep. And you didn't have to reach. And, and to me, that's all you can ask for. Because we, yeah, we talk absolutely. about this, that, you know, Kenny Pickett is probably the one guy that, if you throw him in tomorrow, he, he'll be okay winning the offense. Yeah. As opposed to the other two cases.
0: And with Pickett, honestly, I feel like that's a – like he goes into a situation where Pittsburgh does have a good defense. They still have a really good defense. and There are question marks on the offensive line, but you have your running back at Najee Harris, really good running back. Deontay Johnson, really good wide receiver. Chase Claypool, and you George Pickens to the mix. Calvin Austin, like,
1: too.
0: Yep, Calvin Austin. Like, you have the weapons to kind of succeed early on, which I, kind of makes me excited for Kenny Pickett because if you have, like, the right pieces in place, it it, it could go well for Kenny Pickett early on in his, in his career, which I'm excited about. Um, another quarterback I want to talk about, not Matt Corral, kind of – Talked about him a little bit. Sam Howell to Washington in the fifth round. I'm shocked he fell in the fifth round. Personally, Howell was my QB1, but it, the way this quarterback, tra- this quarterback class kind of ended up this past weekend, it made sense why he fell to the fifth round because like I don't think the NFL really valued this quarterback class as much as the media did, as the media projected. Um, and as we projected as draft analysts as well, um, but how man, like you're getting to play with Scott Turner and you have those receivers and you have a pretty solid offensive line. Um, Ron Rivera as your head coach, and then Carson Wentz, like perfect bridge quarterback. I, I wouldn't say Wentz is really a decent bridge quarterback, but he's he's fine. But how has also has a chance to play early on, especially if Went struggles at any point this coming season. And if Howell comes in, it looks looks pretty decent. I think Washington may potentially have their answer at quarterback um, in for the near future. At the very least, um, at the very best, Howell ends up balling out as soon as he comes onto the field. Washington has their quarterback; they get to c- finally compete um in, in the NFC or in the NFC at least because Cowboys have DAG, they still have great talent um on that team. But I honestly really like where a lot of these guys went. I, I think they're good fits, honestly, and they went to where you had where they end up being good value and not reaches. Um what shocked me was Carson Strong falling out of the draft of uh, being drafted entirely like no one even touched him and so philly ended up picking up picking him up as a priority free agent um that knee must be really bad like really really bad if he went undrafted um if he can stay healthy he might end up being one of the better um undrafted pickups in a bit um If like strong has good film, we've seen the good film, but it's the knee. That's the problem is the health um, of Carson Strong. Could he take over Jalen Hurts as a starter? I don't know. Hurts. I want to see what he does with AJ Brown with the new weapons he has um, with the talent around him. How how does he do in year three? I want to see what happens. But if if Hurts doesn't do – starts to kind of fall off a little bit and Strong ends up being the backup quarterback, ends up winning that backup QB job, Strong has a decent chance of being a starter either this year, at some point this year, or even next year, competing for a starting spot next year. We'll see what happens, but – um You know, it it really does suck for Carson Strong. I I really do hate that for him because he's very talented. Um, But that knee just very concerning, man. And I know you're you're a fan of Strong's as well. Um, Like that that knee injury.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, as we talked about, that was the biggest if um, you know going to the cycle or going to the draft, is he healthy? And no one get, really gave us a clear, you know, indication if he was or not. And, he, and it's very clear he wasn't or wasn't healthy enough at the very least. So, I mean, teams are still going to take risk on healthy. I mean, you know, players that, that have injuries. I mean, the Kobe Dean his, his fall is due to injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Demon Clark, another linebacker uh, had spinal fusion of surgery. So he's gonna be out his rookie season, but he still got drafted. But something with his knee, maybe it's a a Brandon Roy situation. You hope it's not, but a degenerative knee where it just gets worse over time. So that's where kind of my mind goes. If he's not getting drafted, is that teams don't want to take that risk because you know it's, it, you just don't know. Maybe the, maybe there's still work to be done on it. We'll see but uh you know it doesn't change my evaluation of him because we didn't we don't know what we don't know in terms of his knee but but you know it, it was disappointing to watch uh but but it makes sense cuz you know injuries are especially the quarterback position if it's a knee I mean you can't even plan off of it so it makes sense
0: another player I kind of want to talk about real fast um before we um kind of touch up on 2023 yes we're going to touch up on the 2023 draft class, just a tiny bit, but Justin Ross, um, we, we kind of expected him to fall a, a good bit in this draft because, um, of the neck injury he suffered. Um, and also, he also had another injury during the season that kind of is, he, I think he had an ankle injury. He broke his ankle, something like that. Um, this past season that made him miss the rest of the year. Um, but Justin Ross, I would I, I honestly am not shocked he went undrafted because it, it definitely feels like that neck injury just scared the living crap out of teams. Um we we've heard a ton of different rumors about what his medicals were really well they really were, but we're still kind of unsure about it. We do know he had that neck. Um, neck injury in 2020 that made him miss that entire season. Um, so if Justin Ross like came in, was able to stay healthy, his neck ended up being fine. I feel like it's a similar injury to Mike Williams because Mike Williams had a similar, I think he had a similar injury too, where he had something. Done to his neck, he and he came back the next season, balled out, ended up being a top ten pick. Different situation with Justin Ross, though. He's an undrafted free agent, went to Kansas City. If he ends up having a healthy career in the NFL and the neck doesn't really become an issue, um, Justin Ross could end up being a steal as an undrafted free agent. I mean, going to Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. And, I mean, they they have a ton of different receivers. They have Juju um, Smith-Schuster. Mark has Valdes-Scantling. They still have Miko Harmon. I mean, they have have receivers to throw to. I, I don't really have an issue with it. Justin Ross can prove he can stay healthy and develop as a player. I think he's going to be really good for Kansas city. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah,
1: for sure. I think Kansas city probably had an underrated draft. I mean, you know, we, we could talk about more about that later, you know, we yeah. have to touch on this episode, but uh, the chiefs definitely had one of the, one of the better drafts and they added receiver talent in the draft and, and you know, UDFAs are a bonus. I, I think people kind of forget that like, You know, they a lot of these guys can get drafted and probably get drafted any other cycle. A lot of these UBFAs, but but this was a lot of classes jammed into one. You know, a lot of seniors re re returning, uh, players like Chris Olave returning, even though he could have probably won first round last year. So Mm -hmm. I think for Ross, he the expectations aren't going to be sky high like they were at Clemson, like he's going to come in, work. At his best, he makes the roster, and then you you see what happens from there.
0: Yeah, let's talk on. Let's touch up a a tiny bit on the twenty twenty three draft class. I have started summer scouting. I'm I'm a sucker. I I, and and I'm not trying to burn myself out. I'm really not. I'm just going. We have three months to do summer scouting. I mean, I know you're not going to start summer scouting for a little bit. You're taking some time off from watching film. But I kind of just want to ease myself along, watch like maybe a prospect or two a day, maybe every other day, just kind of ease myself in without like overwhelming myself. But I started my summer scouting with Will Anderson. Um, I wasn't able to finish the first game because I honestly got too exhausted and end up crashing um a few minutes after i've put the laptop down but this is probably the best player in the upcoming in the next draft will anderson if not if not him it might be cj stroud from the quarterback from ohio state um i took some notes on him um just prototypical size rare explosiveness violent hands um he he played in different alignments they had him playing robert some they had him as a will um like they 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 had him in different places like his hands are active um i've seen some i've seen him use some different moves some different counters um and i summer scouting report isn't complete yet i mean i'm only one game in but after one game i feel like i'm comfortable like okay this this guy is very very good um he had a maybe one or two reps against charles cross from what i've seen so far um cross i actually did a good job holding his own um whoever 78 is for mississippi state he held his own pretty well but will anderson can is a game wrecker absolute game wrecker and i've loved watching his film um and once i'm done i'll make a i'll i'll tweet something about it it's like will anderson is blah 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 but really love will anderson cj stroud looks very intriguing i can't wait i'll be watching him next after will anderson um I've been getting a bunch of names down on the watch list um, at 69 players. Nice. Um, the, uh, the other nights added maybe 20 more um, 20, 25 more players. I'm adding more tonight. Um, Nick Price was able to give me some um, names to watch. So shout out to Nick shout out to uh, shout out to Luca for giving me some players to look at as well. Um, but Devin, i i I know you haven't really looked at the 2023 draft class but do you have any early thoughts on the group at the moment
1: yeah so i I think you know the the most obvious part is is you know it's gonna be a much better quarterback class and that's for sure (laughs) but but you know watching a lot of these guys in passing uh you know obviously cj stroud intrigues me bryce young but i think that the depth of this quarterback upcoming class can can even be you know even better than this year you know it's not so much that you know just a bit better at the top but i think the depth can can really be really really good you know guys like Phil Jakovic from from Boston College that had a lot of fans last year. He had an injury plague twenty twenty one. Devin Leary, a guy that I've been talking about for for almost a, over a year now. In terms of uh, you know touch placement, accuracy, I think he has all the, all three of those things. You've been talking
0: about Devin. You've been talking about Leary since we started this podcast back in July of twenty twenty. You've been talking about him since then. I'm like I. For, for your sake, I really do hope Leary ends up being a very good quarterback prospect in this draft class because I know you will be unbearable, unbearable. If he well, ends up being he like a-
1: <laughs> – He'll be the, uh, the third, what, NC State quarterback prospect in the last, what, decade or so i mean if you count russell wilson you don't have to count him but jacoby Brissett also came from nc state What well, about brian and then, brian finley yeah yeah yep. uh <laughs> philip rivers too uh so i mean they they have a history of developing quarterbacks so <clears throat> i think leary you know i think he can be I, honestly I, I think he's probably gonna be a mid-round pick for me uh, you know, based off the summer scouting because I've watched him pretty closely over the course of the season last year. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to do anything crazy like push him in the first round because I don't think he's there athletically as some of these other no. dudes. But but he's someone I've been been watching very closely. And then, uh, you know, a couple of safeties uh, for me that, that I've kind of put a pin in as well. Uh, Kendrick Duncan, who we talked about last summer, uh on this podcast um he's with louisville now and finished his season at at louisville i think he's an interesting dude to watch uh and then my guy jl skinner who i did an interview with a couple months ago uh from boise state as a uh, sleeper from a a group of five uh team that just had a couple draft picks this year so uh, those are those are a couple a couple guys that i'm keeping an eye out for uh, in this upcoming season, and probably be one of the few first few that I touch on once I do get twenty twenty three started. One one player
0: that I'm really excited to watch is uh, Bijan Robinson, Texas running back, bro. That we he is probably the best running back we've seen um, in college football since Saquon Barkley, potentially, um, at least in in my eyes. Um, like he doesn't have that top end speed even from like what I can recall from tv viewings but robinson just has a incredible skill set like a damn near complete skill set um that i'm excited to really kind of go in depth this summer um i'm looking forward to watching bryce young um i'm looking forward to watching will will levis quarterback out of kentucky i know dante colonelli um, is a fan of his um yeah, and, and we know he's not gonna be a part of the twenty twenty-three draft process entirely. Um, but uh he, he will be with he'll be with blue chip behind the scenes, thankfully. Um, so we'll still have him around. But um I'm really excited about this 2023 draft class. I, I think they're we're gonna have a lot more top end talent, which excites me. Um, and that's something we kind of lacked um in this draft past draft class um i know fans are like oh i don't want to hear any more draft stuff but for us draft draft nuts devin jackson and jared feinberg we are it's nfl drafts at least for me 24 7 um 12 months 365 you name it like going on year round um and I'm very much looking forward to seeing how some of these guys develop, especially the quarterback class. Could this end up being a very deep quarterback class? But actually a not like just depth and like it's fine or bad like last year. It's act, it actually looks good. And if the depth we see right now ends up developing like we think they can, it, it, it might be really, really good to watch. And I'm looking forward to it. Devin, any last
1: thoughts? No, I mean, I'm now, you know, just taking a breather, you know, sitting back, see everyone, you know, where, where, you know, some of the players I like, where they end up and and how they uh, start to perform over the next couple months. And and eventually he's myself into the 2023 class.
0: Looking forward to seeing some of the – more unknown players that we get to hype up about throughout the summer, throughout the um, coming season. Um, And then all of a sudden them being like, Oh, they're going to be a sleeper pick um, next year. And um, during the spring when we'd known about them for months, (coughs) certain ESPN, (coughs) excuse me. Um, But anyways, guys, that'll be it for, this episode of the draft nut podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next time. Peace.